Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Mubi. Yeah, the recent, the recent uh, flood uh, disaster um, in several areas in Nigeria. You know, of course, um, it has, you, you can um, attest to the fact that the media has carried it, even, even the BBC and other uh, media, international media platforms. Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewanfo. And I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. Different countries, especially because you know Nigerians are scattered everywhere. So most uh, relatives of the affected ones, um, you know, could be, of course, be part of the you know in the diaspora. So news has to um, just like um, what happened in Sri Lanka also, or Pakistan. Sorry, Pakistan when they had um, the flood issues as well. Yeah. So of course, um, it has undoubtedly. You know, um, or you know, it, of course, it's quite daunting, and um, it's deepening uh, the food uh, insecurity situation. And of course, we know that uh, Nigeria has, and other Sub-Saharan African countries have been suffering from food insecurity with respect to the COVID and the Russia-Ukraine crisis. Then this flood attack also, so it has, you know driven up food prices nationwide by escalating um, the, the, uh, the food crisis um, pattern, um, yeah, by the issues I had mentioned. We are talking about the farmers, the farmers who are the, you know, the, the ones directly producing foods and, you know, they are smallholder farmers and we, we have been trying to see how they can, um, scale up and not just scale up, also to be taken care of. And then at the same time, facing, you know, this uh, flood issue challenge and a lot of them have been dispossessed of their farmlands. And that um, tells us that um, the time for us to leave lip service and, and start doing things and start, you know, um, in, um, um, <clears throat> ensuring, you know, a protected farming system protected farming system. We have been talking about that over time. Yeah, and um, thousands of hectares of farmlands are covered underwater. Can you imagine? For example, let's take rice. Rice. You know, Nigeria-based um, commodities exchange, you know, the affects are estimated that uh, flooding uh, and other factors will cut rice. That the price of rice you know, and, um, you know, price, not just the price, the output that rice farmers are making will definitely cut down by 21%. So the flood issue has affected rice production. And uh, rice, which is one of the three major populous crops in Africa, rice, maize, and cassava, you know, know that. So now, of course, because, you know, it's, a, it's majorly... Uh, because, you know, rice is typically cultivated in swampy areas and, you know, in floodplains. And, um, of course, they require high uh, water requirement. Um, they require high high water, sorry. Yeah. And, um, however, 
when an unprecedented flood uh, occurs, you know, what does it mean? It means that disaster. Disaster is occurring like we're experiencing um, now, like they have experienced, yeah. So the rice crop easily gets um, submerged in water. And what occurs is that it, it renders those farmlands uncultivable. So also the flood situation is said to have significantly hampered the transportation of uh, produce, you know, commodities across the country. So in some areas, you can see that uh, vehicles and trucks carrying those produce spend about a week commuting, commuting flood-prone routes. So uh, where where the where the uh, the food is required, and you know that um, um, the movement of food or uh, agricultural commodities flows from the from the rural areas, that's from the production centers to where they are needed. <clears throat> of course, this this has re resulted in significant amount of post-harvest food losses. We are trying to just on the 16th of October, you know, we celebrated. Uh, food, uh, you know, the World Food Day, and they're um, still having, you know, the you know, post-harvest losses because the World Food Day is like a day when uh, people are sensitized on um, and encouraged to, you know, farmers are also encouraged to um, cut down on food losses and food wastes. Yeah, so, and um yeah, especially when the commodities are tra tra transported, we know that their you know, agricultural commodities are highly perishable. So this is really challenging. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Kichi. All right, now let's spend some time on the on this disaster. That is how you describe it. It really is a disaster. No, looking at the situation of the country, looking at the the economic impact of these floods in, in the country. And of course, looking at it again from the from the farming and agricultural sector, um, do you know which area of the country is actually affected? Uh, what percentage of the farmland are we talking about here? It really depends on the yeah on what you mean by that. But um, citing an example with the Lokoja Road. Uh, which is uh, because I have to bring in Lokoja because Lokoja, you know, it's part of the North Central um, uh, geopolitical zone. And uh, that road, which is, of course, quite pivotal to the movement and supply of food and agricultural produce between the northern and the southern regions of the country, there was terrific amount of flood along River Niger Bridge, which, you know, you know, as well, which is said to have significantly hampered yeah, the movement of trucks and vehicles, some of which have spent a week um, in that region. Yeah, so this will lead, and of course, it has led to uh, significant, uh, like I mentioned, post-harvest losses when food produced uh, perish on the way, while, you know, along, uh, while being transported, uh, within the uh, the food supply chain, so this has left uh, the nation's um, uh, food security status within the corridors of jeopardy. So, and um, 
Yeah, so as I earlier mentioned that there, you know, it's, uh, the land area is quite, um, uh, like I saw, and also from the reports that some farmers actually most of their farmlands were submerged in water, and it's it's um, pretty challenging. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, right. It's pretty challenging because it's not only the farmland that we're also we're actually talking about here now, but we're also talking about uh, where people live, the houses, uh, the entire entire uh, uh, area are submerged underwater. So it affects them both in place of where they get their source of income and also where they even live. So uh, the right, the word you used uh, before is actually the right one. It's a disaster. Uh, but um, what is the situation now from what you understand? What is the situation now? Today is the uh, 3rd of November. Has it subsided? Have everything be put under control? As I earlier mentioned, that loss of crops and livelihood are definitely um, resulting in high cost of foodstuff. The more we are already experiencing high costs of food, and with this also, it has done you know so much. It has costed you know. I, you know, if I use the word havoc, is because when you look at the end point of this, it will definitely result in more. We are talk, talking about social vices, high crime rates, kidnapping, insurgencies, and all, and, you know, and, and, and all of that. And we know that most of the places where food is even produced, are, there are no-go areas. Let me use that word. It's not safe to go to those uh, regions and for farmers to also, um, you know, transport. And of course, there was, you know, a time when there was a disruption of the food supply chain, when, you know, the, the cattle rearers, uh, you know, those Fulani cattle rearers and uh, farmers who were coming down to Greece, they were, they are, um, they are good to assist. And so I can categorize flood attacks according to its extent of severity as that would affect food production in three major ways which are flood washing away farm products flood washing away the soil texture and nutrients and you know noting that when soil nutrients are being washed away by flood it renders soil microorganisms inhabitable and you know unable to grow crops that would that uh, could uh, you know the food industry and the agriculture sector uh, you know, would definitely suffer. And finally, flood would cause farmers uh, homelessness, which um, definitely would demotivate farmers from frequenting their uh, farms and then will indirectly cause um, uh, food scarcity. And then the government is, uh, you know, trying hard. And we, we can see from the media um, that... Um, some some of the political aspirants, some of the presidential aspirants are trying to also um, sympathize and um, empathize. Yeah, that's the right word with the farmers. And um, yeah, we have seen also you know empathize in form of um, identifying, like coming back to the issue that I normally talk about, the data problem. We need to have 
you know, we encourage farmers to register with the ministries of agriculture so that at in you know at such cases um, the uh, they could be reached with some of the you know interventions and uh, subsidies and also um, grants to you know to be given given to them. I tell you that even um, uh, not just the government, also the, the private investors and um, diaspora groups, you know, they are trying hard to see that uh, those farmers are helped out of this um, um, dilemma. All right, there is a part that is impossible to ignore. I think we already made mention of it before, which is the part of the government now. In that, first of all, we understand that this is um, an emergency. Nobody uh, knew that this was going to happen. We understand that, so we are not blaming the government for that. But we are looking at the response. Because, okay, we have a go government in this case become like a kind of insurance in that when you have a business, there are things that can happen sometimes that you, you cannot know that is going to happen. That is why you insure the business. In the sense, this is why we have the government, because the government should be able to respond in the case of emergency. So I'm trying to understand from you, how do you evaluate the response of the Nigerian government to the flood situation? Anyway, what I can say about that, um, you know, government response, <coughs> yeah, you know, at this situation, first of all, like I said, the government most times cannot really do much, except with the ministries, Federal Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development. And I know that most of their uh, interventions has always been, uh, maybe uh, recently we know about the Anko Borowan scheme um, that um, the president you know, was, you know, is very much interested. And we, we will not also forget about the farmer groups we encourage them to form cooperatives, uh, like um, you know, because you know the agriculture sector, uh, especially those who are affected. I'm not saying that is only the life, the uh, crops that. You know, crops. Of course, you know that they are all interwoven. Those who, uh, you know, the the crop farmers and the livestock farmers, they work together. Uh, what the livestock need, especially in the cattle, they eat grass. So where will they graze? Of, of course, that's, that is even easier than for the crop farmers who have their crops, you know, buried in the soil for, um, um, for, um, for the root crops. We have yams, we have cassava, we have, um, you know, cereal crop farmers like uh, maize. You know, we have, you know, um, horticulture. Yeah, so... I am seeing the government, I am seeing the government at this situation because it has touched the, uh, you know, the, the news has gone, you know, to the, uh, it has been, uh, you know, wide coverage network. Uh, it has been disseminated like it's, you know, the Pakistani um, flood issues. Like we are seeing in, on the media the other time that there were donations from the British government. So, and um, for those who were affected. So, in this situation also, because my focus is on the agricultural sector, 
There were others, you know, persons who were affected outside of the agriculture system. But we are talking of food because food is one of middle life priority needs. So I think that the government is also um, trying hard, working with some of the diaspora groups. Like, I remember that um, last year when um, I was in touch with some of, you know, the diaspora uh, project, which I was, um, you know, I spearheaded. And, you know, with the International Organization for Migration, uh, we um, I was asked to go to the, you know, with one of the food crop production technology associations of Nigeria um, government with the Federal Ministry of Agriculture. Um, we, we can barely hear you. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. No, I was just saying that, you know, in line with the government, with the federal government of Nigeria and the Federal Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development, and also with some of the, you know, the initiatives from the diaspora groups, the Nigerian diaspora group, you know, there there was this project that they were um, 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 spearheading. That initiative that they spearheaded, it was uh, with the International Organization for Migration. So they were interested in the technology transfer station because they were four that was them. Um, um, you know, formed in 1982. So those forms, one was in Kanu, one was in uh, Yobe State, that's in Geshwa. The one in Kanu was in Dan Hassan, and the one, you know, um, for down south. One was in, um, one is in Enugu State, at Uguamba, and then the other one at uh, Ubiaja. The one at Ubiaja is in the Niger Delta area, and uh, in, this, in the south-south region of Edo State. That was where I uh, you know that facility was where I I was part of. So I can tell you that that um, um, such projects, or um, how will I put it now, such um, initiatives um, by the government most times are also encouraged from the international community. So um, the government has their own; they have their own side, and like I said, they normally work with federal. Agriculture, and they need also the data of the farmers to reach out to them, and some of the farmers are not even registered, so that also makes the issue of uh, reaching out to them to help them um, difficult. Because we, you know, if they don't have their data, how will they be able to give them the version? And some people who have written their names, who, are, who whose their record are in the um, Ministry of Agriculture because of intervention are not even farmers themselves. So how can we reconcile this and um, you know ensure that uh, justice is done and that people are not um, um, there, 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 you know, there is no camouflage. So indeed, yeah. And let's re remember also that this has a very much implication in the inflation rates. Yes. It's very, very, you know, the implication on inflation, and and even as as a as a matter of fact, the inflation hit a 17-year high in August this year before the flood. So the flood situation is hitting, is making it to reach about 23.12 percent. Yeah, so that's the figure. So sadly, there seems to be uh, not to be uh, any remedy in sight as we approach the Christmas season because the food supply. Um, demand equilibrium is greatly distorted and uh, yeah
And as we all know, that the demand for food uh, stocks is usually higher in the first, you know, during the festive seasons. So, and now we are in November, and uh, yeah, before uh, you you could say Jack, you're already in December. Yeah. So, but however, on the other on the other hand, we will be having a short supply of food, no doubt, given the various constraints facing, you know, faced by key actors along the food uh, value chain. So this will invariably lead to uh, a spike in the price of food commodities again in the coming months. So, and then, and then remember the government had taken decision that there will be no importation of food so that we will encourage farmers. So how are we now uh, encouraging farmers? And that will take, take us to the concepts that I developed. I am working with some uh, persons who are very much interested in Africa's transformation, especially in Nigeria, where I am originally from. And um, what are we doing? We are talking about technology in agriculture, and which is which, which is a game changer. And I will really encourage our government to embrace technology, technological solutions, which touches on um, which touches on um, AI. Yeah is using of agricultural drones. AI is artificial intelligence, blockchain technology, and um, yeah, every technology solutions, which, you know, is it nanotechnology, biotechnology, and all of that, yeah. And uh, sometimes we could also encourage vertical farm initiatives, yeah, especially in, in urban areas, because it's also known as urban agriculture, where there are limited lands, for cultivation and, and is um, most times for horticultural crops. And now people are having health issues, having um, nutritional de 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 deficiencies and food is very important. And, you know, how can we ensure you know, a, a good health, a good life without food, without the right food to eat? And that takes us to food security, food safety issues, yeah. And um, yeah, so I hope I made my. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. I also like when you were uh, outlining some of the effort that is being made by the Nigeria government to respond to the issue of food in the country. In fact, it's something that a lot of Nigeria have been um, have been asking the government to do in terms of even protecting the local production, no? because there is no way we can grow if we just. Uh, uh, open the market economy like the Babageda administration did during the uh, the IMF law and the debate that happened at the time. You remember, no, that the 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 condition that the IMF gave to Nigeria was to open up the economy, and of course we are still repeat the the bad effect of that because we as a country didn't have anything to put into that economy apart from oil, and of course uh, for many uh, big multinationals, uh, okay, the country that we are dealing with in the West. That is perfectly that is perfectly fine. Even today, with the uh, Russian-Ukraine crisis, uh, they still need the oil from Nigeria, which is fine. But for the Nigerian people, we don't have much to put into that economy apart from oil. So in that sense, opening the economy up didn't really make any sense, other than saying let's just uh, oversaturate the market that we cannot control. How can we how can we survive in it? We must protect the local productions, make sure that maybe they are giving some tax incentive to produce and make sure that they are able to compete in the market. So in that sense, 
I like uh, the idea that maybe the federal government have said that they don't want to continuously import food so that the local production can survive. But if that is the case, this is a challenge for them. What is going to be, what is actually the preparation of making sure that the local farmers are going to be able to put food in the market? Because if they don't put food in the market, whatever Abuja is saying is only noise. Because at the end of the day, the Nigerian people need to eat. They don't need, they, they cannot eat ideology. They need to eat real food. If the local people cannot produce food, the other food must come somehow into the Nigerian market. Where is the food going to come from? So what I'm actually asking as a question is, what are the concrete evidence to back up the idea that the Nigerian government want the local farmer to be able to compete in the market? That is a question. Yeah, good question. Because I know that um, there is you know, trade among nations, which is international trade. And even now that um, the, uh, the African Union has um, encouraged African nations to trade among themselves in the, in the free trade area. Uh, of course, that's the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement. And then, yes, um, it's, it's really daunting. Like I said, it's, it's daunting for the government. It's daunting for the stakeholders. And it's a difficult um, situation um, which can I, yeah, the whole answer, the whole answer to this is technology. If we had laid a very good foundation for uh, the farmers, especially, yeah, we know that, you know, the farmers are majorly smallholder based and um, they have little or no collateral, like about 60 to 70% of farmers. But we are welcoming, you know, Nigeria's farmers, um, they're welcoming, um, you know, increase in, uh, you know, farmers coming in, um, you know, people joining the agriculture industry, especially those who um, um, professional career people in the medical profession, in the you know, pharmaceutical industry, in the engineering, and you know, people are really getting into farming now because of, you know, that red flag that um, showed during the COVID. Yeah, so, and even before then, people, you know, you really have to feed well. And um, yeah, so I want to, you know, talk about the last um, issue which um, just occurred, this flood issue that just occurred with respect to um, uh, the cause. Permit me to talk about the cause because it's, you know, like some persons have described it as perennial, you know, perennial flood in what actually caused it. And what actually caused it touches on the river and the ocean surges and, you know, by the tides and pushing water, you know, to overflow its um, frontiers downstream. Yeah, and like, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, paint that picture of how we can intervene, how these things can be intervened and then to ensure for more production, because if there is no production, how will they be market for it? 
because it has to start from production. Within the food supply chain, we now get to, you know, of, of course, from the food supply chain and, you know, the channel of distribution and then get into the end user depending on the product as well. And um, yeah, we will give kudos to some strong oligopolists, those who are very powerful, like we know them, those who have farms and who have also processing plants, you know, where value can be added to agricultural uh, crops. So the states around the major rivers that, uh, you know, had these surges, they are in the Benue, in the Kogi, in Anambra, in Adamawa, and others that are mostly affected states. Uh, with respect to this flooding. And when you look at the, the you know, look at the geopolitical zones, Benue and Kogi, they are in the North Central. I had mentioned about Kogi before. And then, you know, Adamawa, it seems in the Northeast around, you know, the Gombe area. And then Anambra, which is in the South uh, East. So you can see that this is pretty challenging. I had said this before. So, and then how can, how can the, um, yeah, those um, practitioners, the key players now, or the major actors, how will they um, leverage on this opportunity? Yeah. Well, then also, there are also some farmers who are not affected. All right, I, I didn't really get, um... Uh, what are the what are the uh, what are the actual plans that the government made to support their promise or their proposal uh, to make sure that the Nigerian farmer are able to survive in the competition? In a play words, I'm saying what are they doing to make sure that the farmers in Nigeria are able to farm in Nigerian land and breed that food? To the Nigerian cities like uh, Enugu, Abuja, and Lagos to feed the population? Um, yeah, I think um, it's uh, like I, I, I had mentioned it before that they normally work with the Federal Minister of Agriculture. Sometimes they also, most times, not even sometimes, they work with the Federal Minister of Science and Technology. As well, because you know most of the innovative solutions like we were trying to propose the other time, we were you know the federal minister of uh, science and technology was spearheading it. You know there were you know lots of um, things that I wouldn't want to go into now, but now, at the moment um, you can see that there are subsidies like uh, you know incentives. They are being incentivized again. And also those who lost, some farmers who lost their lands, they have also been asked to, um, you know, to, to do reports, to, you know, to report. And then, of course, the federal ministry, they have uh, these um, issues and they are working with the government. And the government is are also working with international agencies to help them out of this um, um, crisis period again. Even as... Um, um yeah it's, you know one thing i will tell you is that this time around we are getting into the dry season also and the dry season uh like when we get into dry season huge supplies now starts coming from the northern part of of the you know of the country 
and um, those uh, the northern parts will, will keep servicing. They keep servicing the uh, the you know every uh, region, and you know it has been happening over time. I'm not saying that there are no farmers down south uh, during um, off production season, but we are getting there. And um, I think, like, if you ask me what should be done, I would say um, that we must have to, um, you know, still uh, go to, you know, go and identify farmers. We need to, you know, uh, look at some, borrow some leaf from Ghana. Um, there's a lady who I know, and she um, is Nigerian, and she's, you know, she's an extension and advisory service um um, official we, within the agriculture space. So they are called extension agents and they reach out to farmers. They reach out to farmers and of course they are the ones who um, are within the space between the research and the farmer because of course if you are reaching out to farmers you must also have to factor in that. The farmers are good at what they are doing. So if you are trying to bring up an innovation to them you have to um, make sure that um, you are also coming from that level that they already know and paint that very good picture to them and, um, you know, factoring in all the challenges and the bottlenecks that could also happen. So um, there is no intervention that you give to farmers that is enough for them because they have, their lands have spoiled. And if this can also be prevented, we have to look at what caused the flow and how that can um, be um, 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 stopped from you know, future occurrences because this should not happen again. This is, a, this is a very bad sign. This is a red flag to Nigeria again. And uh, why will the giant of Africa, you know, a whole giant, you know, giants are known to, you know, they are, they are known for strength. They are known for power. And I'm not saying that giants do not suffer weakness, but um, we have to ensure that our agriculture returns back to what, because, uh, you know, how how can, you know, a country that is so much blessed with ag agricultural resources and, um, you know, um, we are, um, you know, crops easily grow within that region. We have our oil palm, we have cocoa, these are cash crops and they can you know, grow in Nigeria as well. And now cassava is becoming very interesting as they go by and we can see the value chain, the cassava value chain is broadening. So we must not allow this anymore. There, there, there was so much food losses and food losses, food losses, food losses. We can talk about food losses now because it happened in the farm and not food waste. Because food waste will happen at home where since uh, people are, are, you know, ignorant of what these, um, these uh, you know, um, issues entail, even uh, to the environment as well. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, it is true. That, that is uh, very important. About looking at the, the potential that is actually available in the country, because just now you were making reference to the fact that uh, during the dry season in Nigeria, and a lot of food supply is going to be coming from the north uh, to service the south. 
which in its sense actually is a kind of an opportunity depending on how you look at it, if you were to be looking at Nigeria holistically, uh, which means because we have uh, more than one type of clim uh, uh, climate, it means that we are able to really not only feed ourselves, even feed other people outside the country. And this should happen all year round. But of, of course, it requires a bit of investment. Okay, let me not say a bit of investment. It requires a lot of investment to really make the Nigerian agriculture function. Because we need to produce the food. Just now, you also made mention of the fact that there is a lot of food wastage in the country. And this is true. Because we produce a lot of these uh, uh, food crops, which at the end of the day do not end up in the market. And of course, we all know this. If we are Nigeria and we care about Nigeria, we understand what is happening in Nigeria. We should understand that there is no good road network that connects the farm to the market. In the sense that the farmer that is producing this crop needs a channel to be able to take the crop from the farm to the market. And this is where I really wanted a clear-cut uh, understanding of what the government is doing. Because if they want to really make sure that the farmers in the country survive and they survive the competition, they must make sure that the facilities are there, that the resources they need are there, that the research are there, that the, when the food are produced, that they're able to get to the market. There is a lot of things that need to be done to make sure the Nigerian farmer are able to benefit from what they are doing. Otherwise, we will continue to import because these things are real. And they are really, uh, um, if we get it wrong, the people will continue to suffer. Yeah. Let me just say something. In fact, I, I, I wanted to jump in and, and, and I'm jumping in now with respect to um, well, what you said. You said what has been done. Because remember that it's not just, there are things that have to be done in the short term and there are things that must be done in the long term. So we need to know. So, and the strategies, of course, to improve this situation must have to be on income, you know, improving the incomes of farmers and whatever that will be done for them to have their own income has to be done. And of course, um, when people in the space of agriculture or in the, or in the face of farming, you know, if they're there is no in income. How will they get it? So, and, and of course, we know that employment and enterprise opportunities for the poor people, most times they are regarded as we, you know, in, you know, agricultural. Let's tell ourselves the truth. Because even when you get to the rural areas, to the villages, to the remote places, you find out that their major occupation is farming. Yeah. And, of course, improving of gender equality, reducing the negative impacts of climate change and environmental degradation. What I had mentioned before with respect to knowing the causes of the, uh, the that, because the flood issue is what is an environmental issue. Yeah, and you know, what was supposed to be done by putting maybe some structure, infrastructure to you know, control the, the flood was not done. And we know that 
you know, there's this place, you know, in the uh, that place, I think is Anambra South area. That that place is quite agrarian and they produce a lot for people. So how can we eat? And people are going back and and forth, and, you know, without um, you know food. And we are, I don't know really how people are really managing themselves out of this situation because it's really, really difficult, I tell you. So, and um, Nigeria has always been characterized, you know, by high reliance on food importation. That's what Nigeria has, 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 has always been known. And malnutrition is, has been recorded to spread in the entire country, especially the rural areas. And uh, of course, we know that it touched on the vulnerable persons, you know, uh, with chronic food shortages and um, erratic food supply. And uh, we had noted about, you know, food uh, safety issues that with respect to food, uh, poor quality foods and high food costs also. Of course, all, all of these which are, are totally are re, 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 resulting to lack of food. So now we must have to um, encourage the government because their role in providing food security can touch on uh, promoting domestication of uh, uh, domestic, sorry, domestic production. Yeah, of to fit uh, with the demands of the growing population because population look at the high birth rate and high mortality rate at the same time so there is a there is need to provide minimum support prices for procurement and storage of food food grains what do you think the the solution can be to resolve the problem as we have it today the problem of high uh, food crisis, high food uh, prices because of the flood and a number of other things, of course. Uh, what, what do you think can be the solution? Technology, like everything revolves around the government because much cannot, much can also be done outside of the government, but you know, of, of course, with respect to everything investors and, uh, you know, Africans in diaspora groups and, um, sorry, Nigerians in diaspora. Yeah, and um, yeah, it touches on government as well. Even like uh, there's this project on cassava, which um, I know in one of the Southeast states, um, they are trying to work with a, you know, an African diaspora group on that to, um, to develop um, a, you know, a good food value chain um, um, initiative. Because you know cassava uh, has a lot of derivatives, which um, are actually promising, and of course it will create also um, jobs. It will also um, ensure for food security, and of course um, because it has um, products in the primary products, secondary products, and tertiary products. And um, uh, with respect to that, also there um, it will. Um, it forms a um, source of raw materials for industry and um, yeah, among other benefits. So yeah, we need to 
look at you know the issue of pricing, price ceiling, maximum price. So the highest possible price that you know that farmers are allowed to charge. Uh, not not even farmers now. We are talking of the middlemen. You know those. Uh, you know those price re- re- related issues. If there's a way that government could come in, uh, you know, and um, put you know do the price ceiling thing, yeah, and it must be set below the equilibrium price to you know for for it to be effective, yeah. So of course, uh, government of, often um, seek to you know they always look out for ways to assist farmers by setting price floors in in uh, you know in food markets. So a minimum allowable price set above the the uh, equilibrium price is is a price floor. So with a price floor, the government forbids uh, a price below the minimum. Yeah. So uh, price price um, controls, you know, they are normally mandated by the government in uh, in in a capitalist economy that is in, in a free market, and you know. Uh, I will tell you that uh, you know, like in in a market structure, there's what we call perfect markets, uh, perfect um, competitive markets, and that's um, what uh, most agricultural uh, products or product market is. Uh, the, uh, it tends to be more perfect uh, competition and not imperfect. Imperfect tends towards um, when I mentioned oligopoly. Like when um, there was ban on importation of on of wheat by the Central Bank of Nigeria, and you know it was in you know agreement with the president's order, and at that time, um, it it that type of policy could lead to uh, oligopolies, powerful oligopolies, and we know them, um, like uh, you know our brother Dangote and um, other people who are you know producing, uh, you know doing so well. Within their space, but there are few, so they become oligopolists and they become the price makers. And um, so, what will it? What will now happen to those smallholder farmers and those little and uh, you know small and medium scale and enterprises? They will become the price takers, and uh, because of the ban of the position, they are pro- producing wheat. I'm talking of the oligopolists. They are pro- producing wheat, so there there will be the ones in control. Of the price, so that's the implication. So we need to look at some of these things when you know, when uh, you know. Of course, like I was mentioning about the price control thing, they are usually uh, implemented as a means of direct economic intervention to manage the affordability of certain goods and services, uh, including rent, even gasoline, and then uh, the food matter that we are talking about. Thank you. I remember that in one of our episodes we we talked a lot about the the pricing of uh, commodity in Nigeria because I I think it's a very important thing particularly in this period now we are in the ember period this is November uh, we see price hike suddenly it will just go up <laughs> because it, it appears that the regulation is not is is not I don't know whether to say it's not enforced or it's not clear uh, or because there are a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of factors that are actually maybe contributing to it and, and all that. But at the end of the day, they just make the people suffer for it. Well, whatever the government decide then the marketer decide then it is not really the marketer that pay the price. The price is eventually transferred to the final consumer. So they're the one that pay the price at the end of the day. 
Uh, well, that is fine. Absolutely, um, they are the end users. They yeah, are the yeah. Users. And um, and you know, like I was uh, talking about the you know the ways that the government you know different kinds of interventions for the um, you know for uh, Nigeria's economy, like we are talking about taxes, taxes. You know, people don't really understand what how tax can also come in. I have traveled and I have seen that in most developed countries that pay taxes, you can see that that is also can help out in you know in some of these interventions and also even like I mentioned subsidies. Then I I mentioned price control regulation, minimum wage legislation, and even government um, bailouts. Yeah, which are all of those kinds of you know examples. Yeah, sorry for cutting you. No, 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 not at all. And of, of course, when we are talking of Nigeria, we are making comparison to other functioning system. Okay, sorry to just put it like that. It is true that we are expecting that the system to function in Nigeria, but what we have is really not functioning. So that is why it, it looks like uh, it just a dog that is running around itself, eating its or biting its own tail. Yeah, because if the team were functioning, most of these things would be taken care of automatically because there is a, a chain of of reaction of, of event because it's a system. As a system, it's not something that is just decided by the president. There are a lot of things that happen between where you harvest your crop or where you cultivate your crop before it gets to the market. Who controls it? How does it get there? What if you lost? Who is going to pay for it? There are a lot of things that goes into the it could into the market at the end of the day. It's not just a simple thing that uh, you just create. It, it, these things are not imagined. They are real things, you know? So I think somebody needs to make sure that the, the system functions. Because if the system don't function, this is just one of the consequences of it. It is not created by the farmer or the Ministry of Agriculture. It is created by the entire system itself of Nigeria. Because at the end of the day, we're also going to deal with corruption. We're going to deal with who supplied the fertilizer, for example. Is it, can we rely on the evidence that they are providing for us? Who said that the food is coming is actually good? Based on what? What are the data that, are, that we have? So it is a system thing. What we need in Nigeria is for the system to work. If the system works, it affects the education, it affects the, the labor market, it affects the kind of work that we even do. And why do we need to do this type of work? So I think it's something that revolves everything, not just the agricultural sector. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Obehead podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain Obehead a Thank you so much for listening and talk to you in the next episode.